Incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Welcome to another special episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. I am Alberto Calderon, and today we will be focusing on the other half of the Dyer in the Force, Ben Solo, his transformation into Kylo Ren, and his journey through the sequel trilogy. So let's go ahead and get started. Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, Master of the Knights of Ren, Supreme Leader. Call him what you will, love him or hate him, this is one of the most misunderstood characters in recent Star Wars history. After The Force Awakens, Kylo Ren was quickly dismissed by some as a whiny emo kid, too quick to temper and violent outbursts. Although some of it is true, there is, mo- there is more to this character than just a surface-level imagery. Starting with his downfall portrayed in the Charles Soul comic book, The Fall of Kylo Ren, The Rise of Kylo Ren, sorry, Ben Solo was an unknowing victim of having the weight of his family's name on his shoulders, even if this was of his own doing. From early on in his childhood, Snoke started planting seeds in Ben's mind that the people he trusted and were supposed to be protecting him, mainly Luke Skywalker, were not who they thought they were. Ben Solo believed that he has to live up to all the graves that share his blood and even his name. His name after a great Jedi Knight, Obi-Wan Kenobi, that he never met, son to rebellion greats Leia Organa and Han Solo, and nephew to Luke Skywalker, the last Jedi, the one to bring Anakin Skywalker back from the dark side and help in defeating the Emperor and the Empire. Most of his actions that lead to his fall are sparked by someone else acting against him first. Yes, Snoke was already in his head, but it wasn't until Luke ignited his, his lightsaber as he slept that he was forced to take action against him, which basically constitutes personal defense. We also learn in, in this comic book that Ben didn't want to destroy the temple and that he wasn't the one responsible for it burning down. As he is trying to leave, three returning, returning Jedi to the temple, Vo, Henix, and Ty, stop him and stand in, in his way. On multiple occasions, he tells them just to let him go, but they block his path and don't let and don't let him don't let him go, and he is forced to take actions against them. Although he doesn't injure, although he does injure one of them, he doesn't kill them, and he has another chance to end them as they fly after him, but he only disables their spaceship. When he reaches Snoke, Snoke prods him that he isn't strong enough to have killed Luke Skywalker and that if he really wants to be strong in the dark side, he has to ditch his name and try and join the Knights of Ren. After he's tracked down by the three Jedi and is forced once again to engage them, he force pushes one of them off a ledge, but just as he does this, he tries to catch her with the force to stop her from falling, but one of the other Jedi sneaks up behind him and throws his lightsaber at him, which forces him to let go of the one he's holding and redirect the force to turn the lightsaber back at Hennix, which eventually kills him. When he reaches the Knights of Ren and tells them he killed a Jedi, he's told that he can't join them yet because he really didn't want to kill him. He's always trying to prove to others, be it Snoke or the Knights of Ren, that he is capable, capable of dark side actions, even if this is something he might not believe himself. And both of them call him out on this, which just makes him angrier. By the time we meet him in The Force Awakens, he has ditched his family name and is now Kylo Ren, Master of the Knights of Ren. But still, at this point, he feels the pull to the light, 
and trying to prove to others to others that he is something else than what he is portraying. He doesn't want to do certain things, but still does them because he has to prove to others, his mentors at that point, that he is capable of them. When he tells his father that he knows what he needs to do, but doesn't know if he has the strength to do it and needed his help, he's looking towards others to make those decisions for him. After he returns to Snoke and tells him that he killed Han Solo, what does Snoke do? He doesn't tell him that he is closer to being Vader's heir apparent. He tells him that the act made him weaker. He tells him that he's a child in a mask and to take that ridiculous thing off. All to keep bringing, bringing him down. Mess with his confidence, which has always been fragile, making him easier to control. His mask helped him hide his, thru, his true self and help him in committing these terrible acts. And when that is taken from him, he has doubts about himself as Snoke knows this. He's controlling Rey when he kidnaps her in Takodana and takes her to his ship, but as soon as he takes the mask off during the interrogation, his defenses are down. She's able to see past his shield and connect with the Ben Solo still inside. When Han Solo asks him to remove his mask, he, he also has a moment of weakness. So having his final mentor, per se, telling him that his mask, the one thing he uses to channel the dark side, which I don't think is a nod to Darth Vader, but more to Ren, the original leader of the Knights of Ren, he's left vulnerable, vulnerable for the rest of The Last Jedi. I don't think that he would have been able to force Skype with Rey if he still hid behind the mask. All of their conversations happen when his mask is off, except during the Rise of Skywalker. When he brings Rey to Snoke, he gets a bit of validation from him, but is but is but he is still following, following his orders and being told that Snoke can read all of his thoughts, that there is nothing that he can hide from him, to the point that Snoke narrates Kylo's inner thoughts. But same as he did to Ren, the leader of the Knights, in the comic book, killing him when Ren told Ben that he didn't want to be in the shadow, which is what the Knights of Ren call the dark side, and he tells him that he is the shadow, and takes over the Knights of Ren, and becomes master of the Knights, he surprised Snoke when he least expected it and used Snoke's arrogance to strike him down and take his mantle as supreme leader of the First Order. Both acts, which are so far the only times he's actually wanted to kill his supposed masters, were done because they both minimized his devotion to the dark side, and he wanted, I think out of spite, to show them that he could commit fully to the dark, again even if he didn't fully believe it himself. Once he takes control of the First Order, he's not concerned with ruling the galaxy with Rey, as Anakin, want, Anakin wanted to do with Padme. He wants to destroy those who oppose him, kill anyone else that might get in the way of him gaining more power. He doesn't spend time in boardroom meetings aboard his Star Destroyer, planning how to take over systems and control them. For him is, I'm told I can't commit fully to the dark side, I'm going to show them how wrong they are, let me get the Sith Wayfinder, get to Exegol, kill the Emperor, and then I'm the only one left standing. The Emperor, of course, being the great manipulator that he is, tricks him into doing his bidding so that Kylo can become even more par powerful, while at the same time bringing Rey to him and fulfilling his plan. As where Rey was physically abandoned at an early age, Kylo was physically and emotionally abandoned by his family members and those close to him. Han Solo, as we learned in Last Shot and Bloodline, was an absentee father, 
and returned to racing and wasn't there. Leia was also consumed by politics and sent her son away to train as a Jedi by Luke. And when we know and we know how that ended up. Plus learning just six years before the Force Awakens that he was related to Darth Vader, probably through gossip like everyone else did, and then having to think what else have his parents hide away from him. It creates this connection this connection with Ray that might not just be a romantic connection but a feeling of understanding and then trying to convince her that she cannot place her trust in those that are supposedly close to her, but instead of in each other. He appeals to her sense of abandonment and needing of familial support while she tries to appeal to his past remembrance and that there are still people that love and care for him, even her. They are both trying to appeal to each other's familial needs, but coming to it from very opposite sides. Plus, of course, their connection to the Force, their Force connection. Kylo first dismisses this as her being strong in the Force, but as the movie goes on, same as he learns, same as the audience, that there is something else bringing them together and forming that bond. Snoke might have been responsible for bridging their minds, but after that initial introduction, if you may, their Force connection is the one that takes over and allows them to physically get close to the point of touching fingers that first time during The Last Jedi, which then evolves to a more bigger connection through the Force as we saw in The Rise of Skywalker. Two halves of the same coin, but it's not as simple as that since here that coin is being flipped by different forces. This leads us to Kylo in The Rise of Skywalker and the eventual return of Ben Solo. We are introduced to a Kylo Ren that doesn't care about the advancements of the First Order military might, but just his quest for more power. He reforges his mask and leads the knights, as for me this is where he is more comfortable in accepting the dark side and being the leader with followers, and not being the follower like Rey so brilliantly pointed out to him when asking if he's serving another master when he mentions the Emperor. He's taken aback when Rey blasts lightning into the transport, but now knows to use this against her as he hopes that, hopes that telling her that she's related to Palpatine and that the dark side is in their nature will lead her to forego any of the connections she still has and lead her to him. As they both grow stronger in the Force, so does their connection, and now being able to pass items to each other, basically bending the space around them. Not to repeat what I said when talking about Rey's journey, their battle on the Death Star wreckage is when Kylo is finally able to overcome her, overcome her physically because he was able to defeat her emotionally with the news of her heritage. Okay, so let's jump to Kylo's turn and the return of Ben Solo. Since I saw Kylo in The Force Awakens, I didn't want him to be redeemed. Not because he did the unthinkable and killed Han Solo. I just didn't want a repeat of Vader slash Anakin. I didn't see how they could do it without being too obvious or too cliché. But I did a complete 180 when The Rise of Skywalker came out and was so emotional during that scene. Being his parents, the one responsible for his redemption worked perfectly. Leia sacrificing herself, one final shot at saving her son, following Luke's advice that no one is ever really gone and finalizing her Jedi training. And of course, the scene with Han. Having a repeat of their scene in The Force Awakens, Han telling him that it was his memory, and what makes it come full circle is when Kylo says, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. He stops there and doesn't add, can you help me? And Han, instead of grabbing the saber, tells him, you do. Putting the decision squarely on Kylo's hand, 
which is, like I mentioned earlier, the opposite of how things have worked out for him. He has always done things to appease others, and here he will be 100% responsible for his actions and decisions. And after being blindsided by sensing his mom's death and then raised comp compassion by stopping him from dying, that he finally becomes Ben again and utters a simple word, Dad. This broke me in the theater. I was, I was incompletely on his redemption and having Han Solo, Han Solo reply with, I know, not needing to hear his son say that he loves him. It's great acting, great delivery, and great writing for that important scene. His redemption to me means that Snow had corrupted his mind, but not his soul. It's sad that he died so soon after being redeemed, but he was able to help Rey defeat the Emperor, but it was still her that gave the killing blow, but then paying his debt by then using his last bit of force power and spirit to bring her back to life. Maybe I'm reading too much into it after finishing the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book and interpreting it that way, that he was always trying to prove himself to others instead of following his own journey. And maybe Kylo was always destined to be the monster that Rey tells him he is. He does some acts that can't be justified, like kidnapping Rey and invading her mind, and all of the connotation behind those acts. But I want to believe in, the, in this new interpretation of Kylo slash Ben that I have created. So that concludes our analysis of Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren and his journey in Star Wars. Again, I hope you enjoyed listening to this breakdown as much as I did coming up with it. See you next time, stay safe, and may the Force be with you. Radio Rebellion.